0: Hello, and welcome to Chaplain's Word of the Day. I'm Chaplain Otis Corbett, and I invite you to come along with me as we explore God's Word so that we can be inspired, challenged, and comforted together. Hello, I'm Otis Corbett, and today I want to share a word about what you're supposed to do when you're in between from Acts chapters 1 and chapter 2. This comes from a sermon I preached on March 12, 2023, at the Fairmount Baptist Church, Red Level, Alabama. As you uh, turn to Acts chapter one, the title of my message today is What to Do When We're In Between. What do we do when we are in between? Now, I don't know if you've ever done this. You should not do it. It's illegal to do it. But if you've ever walked on a railroad track, I know kids do that, people do that, that's private property. You shouldn't do that, and I'm not suggesting you do that. In fact, I'm saying don't do that. But if you ever have, and you've tried to walk on the ties of a railroad track, you'll find that they are, uh, they're awkward because they're not quite long enough in between the two of them for a full stride. But between three of them, it's much too long for a full stride. And so you get off stride. You get off balance. You get to feeling strange as you walk on those railroad ties. Sometimes that will happen if you're walking on stepping stones that lead out to a garden someplace the person that uh, that put those stepping stones in place uh they walked at a certain uh, stride but your stride is longer or shorter than theirs and you you just feel off balance you feel out of stride and that happens Um, also in life. A lot of times in life, we will feel out of stride or out of place. We will feel awkward because there are times in our life that we are in between. Sometimes we're in between jobs. And when you're in between jobs, you're used to getting up and going to the same place that you've gone to for years. And uh, you don't do that anymore. You feel strange. You don't know what to do. Now, if you're in between jobs, the, you have a job, and that is to find a job, but even that is hard if you haven't done it in a while. Sometimes uh, when our children leave and we have that emptiness syndrome, we feel strange. It's different. We're in between phases of our lives. Uh, sometimes uh, we're in between paychecks, and the month lasts longer than the money does and that is very awkward and very strange and in churches sometimes we are in between leaders we might be in between worship leaders or we might be in between pianists or we might be in between sunday school teachers or we might be in between pastors and sometimes that gets awkward sometimes it gets confusing Because you're used to what has been going on and what is going on now is different. You have someone else in the pulpit and for probably for the next months, several months, probably, unless the the Lord leaves quicker than that, you may have a different person in the pulpit every Sunday. And that is hard. You see, when you have someone who's been preaching consistently for years and years and years, you get used to them. You get used to how they preach. You get to to the rhythm of their voice. You, you get used to all the, the, the nuances of how they present the word of God. And you get in, you're comfortable. You feel like, hey, I'm here. I know what's going on. I can follow what's going on. And then you get someone else in the pulpit. And it's strange. It's different. They don't read the same kind of passages that uh, the, the previous pastor. May they organize their sermons different, their cadence of speech, or the, even the tenor of the voice is different. And because of that, it feels strange. And you know what it makes you do? It makes you work harder to listen to a sermon. I, I say, we have 52 churches in our association, and when I'm not preaching, uh, the last few months I've been preaching at Gantt, because they were between pastors, and they asked me to preach there because they needed some consistency. But um, you know, uh, otherwise, I'm in a different church every Sunday, and I tell you, it's hard to listen to different pastors every day because you, it work. It's work. You have to do it. So uh, when you're in between, it becomes a challenge. Sometimes it becomes a challenge because. You've bonded with a particular person. That person's gone and you're less motivated to do something because that person is not there. Well, after Jesus rose from the dead and after he ascended into heaven, the disciples, the early church, they were in between. And we need to see what they did and let them guide us as we hear for at least a little while, are in between. Let's look at Acts chapter one, and we're gonna begin with verse four. And being assembled together with them, this is Jesus, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore your kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the time, uh, times or seasons which the Lord has put into his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Father, we ask now that you bless us with your word, Teach us clearly from the example of the early church, from the apostles, the disciples, to understand what we're to do while we're in between. And then, Father, as we have come to understand it, then motivate us, encourage us, urge us in our hearts to do what we've learned. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The first principle that we see in Acts from what happened when the disciples were in between is this. They needed to do what they were supposed to do. And when we are in between, the first thing we need to remember is we need to be about the business of doing what we are supposed to do. Now what we see in Acts eight through um, uh, through 10 or uh, Acts uh, 4 through 10 or 11, what we see here is that the disciples got ahead of themselves. Jesus had left them or was about to leave them. He was about to ascend into heaven. And the disciples started asking him about things that weren't about to happen yet. They started to ask about the end times and they started to ask about uh, the kingdom of God. And they started asking about things that they had no control over and that they had really no business worrying about. And Jesus said, wait a minute hold on, I've given you a job. I have instructed you in what you're supposed to be doing. And you need to be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. He said, quit worrying about other things. You have something I need you to do. And that's be my witness. Well, as that went on, Jesus then went up into heaven. And guess what the disciples did? They stood around looking with their mouths open. Now, I understand that humanly because nobody had ever seen Jesus rise into heaven before. The only other one that did anything like that was, was either Enoch or um, Elijah, and that was centuries before. And so this was a new thing for the disciples. They were not. to, stand there looking, watch him, gaze him, go up to heaven. And what happened next was the Lord sent a couple of angels and said, hey, guys, wake up, wake up. You have things you need to do. Get about the business that Jesus told you to get about. And, and again, what are we supposed to be doing as a church as individuals, as we are witnesses for Christ. Well, the the fact that Jesus said that they were to be the witnesses for him uh, gave them a couple of options. They could have been bad witnesses for Jesus. Because as we carry our name of Christian, which is little Christ, out into the world, we have an option of either being a good witness or a bad witness. Now, we need to try to be good witnesses, but if we're not careful, we can be bad witnesses. The the famous uh, Indian reformer, Mahatma Gandhi, who really uh, brought the nonviolent protests and nonviolent resistance to the forefront back in the 1920s and 30s and 40s into the 50s. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi was fascinated with Jesus. And he was fascinated with the teachings of Jesus, but he has been quoted as saying, I, I really uh, enjoyed the teaching of Jesus and I would have become a Christian had I not known so many. They were not good witnesses. They were bad witnesses. So, so what are we supposed to do? Well, if we look back as far as the Old Testament, there's a, a passage in Ecclesiastes 12:13. Let me read that for you. This is the end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. We know again what Jesus said about the, the greatest commandments. And we looked at in, in chapter 22 of, of Matthew. And he said in verse 37, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang the law and the prophets. So we need to be about the business of loving God with all our heart, soul, and mind. And that means we need to be about the business of worshiping God, not just on Sunday morning. Sunday morning is vital. You need to come and be refreshed and worship God. But you need to take that same attitude of worship out with you as you work in your job on Monday morning, as you go to school on Monday morning, as you maybe have other things that you do. That attitude of worship of all of God needs to go with you as does this idea of loving people. How do we love people the best? Do we give them just whatever they want? No, we give them the best. Love in the New Testament comes from a Greek word or the Greek the word we translate love, uh, one of the, the most powerful words uh, of love is the word agape, agapeo, it's a Greek word. And it, it means to love someone by giving them the best for them, by doing the best for them. It's not an attitude, it's not an emotion, it's an action. And the best thing we can do for people, Jesus told us that as well. In Matthew 28, beginning in verse 18, he said to go into all the world and make disciples of all peoples. The whole idea behind being a disciple is to grow closer to Jesus so that Jesus can give us that abundant life that he promised us. So what we need to do is be about the business of the basics of the Christian life. We need to love God and love people. You know what team wins the football game? Usually it's the one that can block and tap. You know what team wins the basketball game? It's usually the ones that can pass and move the ball. The basics are very important. And the basics of our work is to love God and to love people and make disciples. So the first thing we need to do is be where, uh, is do what we're supposed to do. But there's more. Look at verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem. A Sabbath day's journey. Not far, not far. And when they had heard, where they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying, Philip and uh, Peter, excuse me, and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus and, and Simon the zealot and Judas, the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication uh, with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. What we need to see here is that not only are we supposed to do what we're supposed to do, we also need to be where we're supposed to be. Be where we are supposed to be. The disciples got their head right and they listened to Jesus. And what did did Jesus tell them? He said, go back to Jerusalem and wait on the Holy Spirit. He said, don't scatter to the four winds Don't go back to Galilee. Don't go back to where you feel comfortable. Go to Jerusalem. Be where I told you to be. Remember, the disciples, most of them were from Galilee. In fact, what did Peter do after Jesus was raised from the dead? He said, I don't understand this. Let's go fishing. And he went back to his old haunts and he said, I know how to fish. I'm comfortable fishing. I don't understand what's going on with just." thing with Jesus, I'm going to go back to what I'm comfortable with. That's not what Jesus said for them to do. He said, go to Jerusalem and wait on the Holy Spirit. So they went and were stationing themselves where they needed to be. And then um, as they went, they gathered together and they did the the work of coming together now you know as they gathered together look what happens in chapter 2 verse 1 when the day of Pentecost had fully come they were all in one accord and in one place Woody Allen, the comedian, said that 90% of life is showing up. 90% of life is being where we are supposed to be. Remember back in the Old Testament? Remember 2 Samuel when David was supposed to go out and fight in the springtime like all the other kings? And what did he do? He sent his army out, but he stayed back in Jerusalem. What happened next? Well, there was this event that happened with Bathsheba and and great sin occurred and, and great consequences resulted afterwards because he did not do or he was not where he was supposed to be. He was also not doing what he was supposed to do either. He was supposed to be leading his armies into battle, but instead he was staying back. And when he was staying back, he was in the wrong place and he was not doing the right thing. If we look back to the birth of Jesus in, in Luke chapter 2, we see that there were two people in Luke chapter 2 that are mentioned uh, really only once in the Bible. And they're basically mentioned there in Luke chapter 2. There was this man called Simeon. Simeon was a, 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 a an older man and he worshiped God and he was in the temple doing what he was supposed to be doing, worshiping God. And when Jesus was brought in to be uh, um dedicated to the Lord, Simeon was there and he was able to see Jesus. And what he said was, I've now seen the Lord. I can die happy. Anna was a widow woman and she spent all her time worshiping in the temple. And she was where she was supposed to be and she saw Jesus and she blessed all of them. So we need to be where we're supposed to be. Now, what does that mean? When we are without a pastor, it's so easy just to say, well, it's too hard to listen to a new sermon, a new preacher, it's just too hard. And and, and it's, it, we're, I'm disappointed because so-and-so left us. Or, or No, we need to be where we're supposed to be. That means we're supposed to be in worship. We're supposed to be in Bible study. We're supposed to be in fellowship. So, If we look at what the disciples did, they were supposed to do what they're supposed to be doing. And then they were supposed to be where they were supposed to be. Remember, 90% of life is simply showing up, being in the right place. Also, we need to be what we're supposed to be. Look at what we see next. And in those days, Peter in the, oh, well, let's do in verse uh, 14 of chapter one of Acts. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples all together. The names of them were about 120 and said, men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus for he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. Now the man, this man had purchased a field with the wages of iniquity and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his entrails gushed out. And it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem so that the field was called in their own language, Echeldana, which is the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it let another take his office. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all these time uh, with, among the Lord that when, when Jesus went in and went out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. And they proposed to Joseph called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, "O oh Lord, you know the hearts of all, show us which of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell that he might go to his own place. And they cast their lots and the lot fell on Matthias. And he was numbered with the 11 apostles. Now, as we see, the 12 apostles and a bunch of other folks, 120 did what they're supposed to be doing. That's what they're supposed to be doing. It's supposed to be witnesses for Jesus in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the earth. And they were where they were supposed to be. They were gathered together in worship and fellowship in the right place where Jesus had told them to go. Now what we see is they were doing the right things. They were doing what they were supposed to be doing. They were being who they were supposed to be. They were being what they were supposed to be. And that means they were to be a fellowship of God's people. Look at what they were doing. They were gathering together. They were fellowshipping amongst themselves. This morning during the fellowship time, we said it's like y'all hadn't seen each other for a week, which you hadn't. You've seen, you've seen each other since then. That's not the truth. But the fact is you were fellowshipping amongst yourselves. Well, that's what the disciples were doing. They were coming together and supporting one another and enjoying one another. We also see that the disciples here were people of agreement. They came together in unity and said, yeah, we need to replace Judas. They gathered in unity. They gathered studying the Bible Because Peter read to them the appropriate passage about the fact that Judas needed to be replaced. They sought God. They were people of prayer. All of these things meant they were being what they were supposed to be. And so in this interim period, you need to be as a people what you're supposed to be. People of fellowship, people of prayer, people of unity, people seeking God's face, people of the book. And continue on in the practice of being a church, not just a building, but a fellowship of people serving God. So what do we see? We see the disciples doing what they're supposed to do or being told to do what they're supposed to do. We see the disciples being where they were supposed to be. We see the disciples being what they were supposed to be. And finally, they received what they were supposed to receive. Look at chapter 2. Verse two, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and there appeared uh, on them uh, to, to them divided tongues as of fire, one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Life has the ability to give us unexpected things when the disciples received the Holy Spirit, it was nothing that they had expected before. There's nothing they had ever seen before. Sometimes we get things we don't want. Matthew 23, 37 through 39. This is what Jesus says. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones, those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Sometimes what we receive is not good. But remember, Jesus said, I'm come that they may have life and that they may have it more Abundantly. And the Holy Spirit, God, Jesus, the whole Trinity wants this church to receive a blessing as you call your next pastor. That doesn't mean other pastors have not been a blessing. That's not what I'm saying at all. Well, what I'm saying is the Holy Spirit has something out there for this church. God is not finished with blessing this church. God is not finished with using this church. And so as you search for a pastor, you need to be about the business of seeking out what that blessing is going to be for this church and for this community. Now, you can do that a couple of ways. You can, as a church, decide what your unique ministry is and go find the man that's fit for that ministry. Or you can decide we're going to go find the man of God and let that man of God lead us into the ministry we need to have. And then after you call that man, you need to follow him and let him lead you. But either way, you need to receive the man God brings here. And this is a serious issue. You need to realize that God is going to use the Holy Spirit to bring a man to this place, to lead this church and be your shepherd. He's not going to be John. And I didn't know the previous pastor because John's been here as pastor ever since I came. The only pastor I've ever known of this church is John. And there may be some of you out there in that same situation in this church this morning that the only pastor you ever known was John Bell. And that's great. But you need to receive what God is bringing to you. Let that man be your pastor. You know, he's going to be a shepherd and the shepherd need to know the sheep. But for the shepherd to know the sheep, the sheep need to let the shepherd into their lives. The shepherd needs to let the sheep in their lives too. But receive whomever God brings you. Pray that the Holy Spirit will guide you directly and effectively to that one man. And when you find that one man, you embrace him and his ministry and move forward together. When the Holy Spirit came about on the day of Pentecost, It was a strange day, but it empowered the church to move forward. One day, your new pastor is going to be standing in this pulpit, and it's going to be a strange day. He's not going to look like John. He's not going to sound like John. He's not going to preach like John. He's not going to lead like John. He's not going to be John. But he is going to be your pastor if you let him. Now, what are you supposed to do when you're in between? Well, like the disciples, you need to be where you're supposed to be. You need to do what you're supposed to do. You need to be what you're supposed to be as a church. And you need to receive what you're supposed to receive from the Holy Spirit. Remember, the night before Joshua led the children of Israel in the promised land, he got a message from God. He said, go around all the tribes and tell them this, be bold and be strong for the Lord, your God is with you. In this time, when you are in between, you may not have the same pastor in front of you, but you'll have the same God with you. You'll have the same savior saving you. You'll have the same Holy Spirit empowering you. Be bold and be strong. Be where you're supposed to be. Be doing what you're supposed to do. Be who and what you're supposed to be. And be prepared to receive that next shepherd and let him be a part of your life. Thanks for listening. I'll be back soon with another portion of God's Word that we can consider together. Every blessing, I'm Chaplain Otis Corbett.